This dude who looks like he's running his fifth game in a row at Lifetime Fitness. Frankly, I have absolutely no idea who Grand Canyon's best player is, nor am I going to look it up. That guy obviously saying something he's never done before. I got no idea what I'm doing right now. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select. Who cares? Who cares who the Detroit Pistons select? The fact is that they will draft first. What's happening, everybody? Open mic back. We're going to talk Detroit Pistons in bulk today. Uh, but we'll go more into the NBA as well. The playoffs rocking on right now. What's wrong with Ben Simmons? I don't know. But let's begin at the beginning because that's where you start. The first pick, the NBA draft lottery Tuesday night. And finally, the balls bounce in the Pistons' favor for a franchise that has been snake bit by the NBA draft lottery more times than I care to remember. It finally breaks Detroit's way. And maybe that's just fate. Maybe that's the fact that the NBA has rigged it so many times for the Cleveland Cavaliers that they could only get them into the top three this time. But whatever the reason, who cares? Um, the Pistons will draft first, and it is absolutely monumental news for not only the Piston organization, but the city of Detroit. Touch on that in a second, but first, you have to acknowledge the job done by one Troy Weaver and two Dwayne Casey. Uh, the tank job executed perfectly, and I mean that in all sincerity, because there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things, even when you're trying to do things poorly. And not to say that the Pistons were trying to do things poorly, but they tanked absolutely perfectly. They had this influx of young players who they gave the minutes to. Those players produced not enough to win, but you didn't need him to win. You don't need Sadiq Bey to win when he's a rookie. You need him to win when he's in his fifth year. You get Bay and Isaiah Stewart on the all-rookie teams. Killian Hayes gets healthy at the end of the season. A lot of work needed for Killian Hayes, no doubt, but he can pass. And now you have an opportunity to pick first from a top four in a draft pool that is damn strong. Top four picks are all, in my opinion, going to be long-time NBA players. And to get the best one, it doesn't matter, Cade Cunningham, who it is, Cade Cunningham. But it's important that this broke the way it did for Detroit as a whole. Because when you look around this city, there is a glaring lack of superstar power. Miguel Cabrera is a shell of himself. For the Tigers. And not to say that the old version of Miggy wasn't a superstar. Because he was. But that version is gone. And he does not appear to ever return. He's not coming back. Okay. So the Pistons obviously don't have a superstar. Regardless of the fact that Jeremy Grant is going to play for Team USA. Shout out Cuse. The Red Wings don't have a superstar. Dylan Larkin's a good player. But he's nowhere near a superstar. And the Lions traded whatever the closest thing they had to a superstar was. And I don't even know if you could call Matthew Stafford a superstar. He was a star, but he's not a superstar. When you draft first, you have the opportunity to select a superstar, which is what the Lions hoped they did when they drafted Stafford. And to become a superstar, you got to win. And, and Matthew didn't do that, obviously. But this is not about Matthew Stafford. This is about the Pistons. And this is about a young roster 
that is going to get a significant upgrade regardless of who they take, Cade Cunningham. And it's so good for the city of Detroit. It's so good for the fans of the city of Detroit who have just been kicked and punched when they're down so often. It seems like in the last decade, I know it hasn't been that long for some of the teams, but man, what a shot of life this is and what an opportunity Troy Weaver and Dwayne Casey have in front of them to build this thing the right way. And by all accounts, they are doing that and they are going to continue to do that. Now, the Pistons will pick first for the first time since 1970. 1970. Richard Nixon was the president in 1970. What happened to him is what's happened to the Piston organization lately. Too soon, not soon enough. This is not a political podcast, nor will it ever be. But that was Bob Lanier. He's a Hall of Famer. A terrific player for a long time. St. Bonaventure guy. Saw Woj point that out right away when uh, the draft lottery happened on Tuesday night. Another St. Bonaventure guy. Um, You know, it's the highest pick the Pistons have had since 2003 when they absolutely whiffed on drafting Darko Milicic. Got that one incredibly wrong. But other than that, if you just go ahead and selectively choose to forget that 2003 draft, it's the highest pick the Pistons have had since 1994, and they drafted a Hall of Famer that time at three overall in Grant Hill. So the optimism that they can get this pick right and draft Cade Cunningham, or whoever, but Cade Cunningham, um, is through the roof. And when you look at the options, whether it's Cunningham, Green, Mobley, or Suggs, I think that you know, you're know you not going to go wrong. I think any team in the top four is about to get an impact player if they make that pick, Toronto. But the Pistons are going to get the best one because they're going to take Cade Cunningham no matter how many articles come out and how many things are said that, oh, well, they're doing their due diligence on Green and they're... You know, there's a potential that they could trade the pick. Come on. You don't trade the pick when you have a surefire can't-miss guy right there. Unless you are going to trade it for a superstar that gets you over the hump. And the Pistons need several more superstars to get themselves over the hump. So let's talk about Cade Cunningham. He's a 6'8 point forward, point guard, however you want to call him. I see the word wing used an awful lot, and that's fair. He he has the ball in his hands a lot. Just absolute dynamite in college. 20 points a game at Oklahoma State. You know, not single-handedly, but more than any player on the Cowboy roster got them to the NCAA tournament. He shot 44% from the floor as a freshman, playing 35 minutes a night. And he shot 40% from three, playing 35 minutes a night. He does it all. I mean, six rebounds a game, three and a half assists a game. He's not going to be expected, and and to be very clear, he can create for others. But he's not going to be expected to come into the league and make sure he's dishing out eight assists a game. If he's a piston, God willing then he's likely going to play in the backcourt with Killian Hayes, who very clearly needs to improve his jump shot if he's going to be around long-term. Because that's what Cunningham will do. He will draw guys to him. He will drive. He will kick. He will shoot. He will do all the things that you expect a superstar to do. But the guys around him have got to hold up their end of the bargain. I don't have much uh, doubt that Sadiq Bey is going to benefit greatly from Cade Cunningham. 
Isaiah Stewart, same thing. Jeremy Grant, same thing. Killian Hayes is the wild card for the Pistons. What kind of impact is he going to make if he's going to be around? He has to shoot the ball better. And it's not fair to evaluate his shooting, so I'm not even going to bring up the numbers from a rookie season in which he didn't play most of the year and it was his first you know, season in American basketball. But if I'm Dwayne Casey and I'm Troy Weaver, I'm locking Hayes in the gym right now and saying uh, a thousand threes a day. That that might be you know a bit much, but you get the point. And the scar tissue that is formed for Piston fans over the years from making the wrong picks in the draft, I don't think that it's even possible that it could happen this time because. He is the consensus number one guy, no matter how many articles you read that say it's not true. It is true. It is true. Cade Cunningham is the the prize of this draft, and he's likely to be wearing a Piston jersey next year, and that is damn exciting. But I mentioned the scar tissue, and I think that it's worth talking about just because you have to think about the past here. What's the line? History will repeat itself if you don't pay attention. So... You know, let's not draft Luke Kennard over Donovan Mitchell ever again. Did the numbers on these, the two big ones of, you know, the last handful of years, which in Troy Weaver's defense were not him, Stan Van. But Luke Kennard averaged eight points a game this year. He had 10 the other night in game two, Suns and Clippers. That's nice. Donovan Mitchell averaged 26 points per game this year. Kennard went 12 overall. Mitchell went 13 overall. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. And while maybe the writing wasn't for sure on the wall there, come on. Luke Kennard, a lefty shooting specialist. Donovan Mitchell, a bona fide dog. Anyway, the other one is, of course, the guy who is shining in the NBA playoffs right now, uh, Devin Booker. Pistons decided Stanley Johnson would be a better selection than him and maybe that's not fair because I think Stanley went uh seven or eight and Booker went you know 12 or 13 there were, there were picks in between them so it wasn't a situation like Kennard and Mitchell who went back to back but Stanley Johnson has averaged 4.4 points per game in his NBA career and Devin Booker I'm sorry 4.4 points per game this year and Devin Booker like Mitchell averaged 26 so that scar tissue is there it of course has never been worse than when the Pistons took Darko, who averaged six a game for his career, over Mello, who is 10th all-time in league scoring. Shout out, Cuse. But I don't think that it's possible for there to be any... Because, you know, if they if they take Cunningham and for some reason he doesn't work out, there's going to be no, well, everyone saw that coming, you know? Like, maybe there was when they took Luke Kennard instead of Donovan Mitchell. Whatever it is, the Pistons have the first pick overall, and that is so exciting, and I cannot wait to see what happens when they draft Cade Cunningham or whoever they take. Another former first overall pick is Ben Simmons. And watching the end of that Sixers-Hawks series, I'm not sure he'd have gone 100th overall, which is not possible because the NBA only has two rounds. But Simmons has fallen from grace so drastically that you, you wonder, is he savable? Is it salvageable? 
especially when you ask his coach, Doc Rivers, after Game 7, can you win a championship with him? And he says, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. That should give him confidence, Doc. Doc Rivers is the most overrated coach in NBA history. Point blank. He wins one championship with three Hall of Famers and has done a whole bunch of nothing since then. Sure, he took Boston to two finals, lost to Kobe. Great. Man, you know, he's on scholarship for life in the NBA. I love that line. Mike Tomlin, someone, I forget where I said that, but, or saw that, but said, you know, if you win a, if you win a Super Bowl in Pittsburgh, you're on scholarship for life. Doc Rivers is on scholarship for life in the NBA. And I don't know if he can fix Simmons. I don't know if anyone can fix Simmons because, you know, in, in the fourth quarters of games four through seven, Atlanta and Philly, Simmons scored six points, not per game total. None of them were from the floor. All of them were from the free throw line. He is a career 14.7% three-point shooter. He is a career 59.7% free throw shooter. And those numbers are awful. I think it's easy when you, you know, when you look at Simmons' game and try and compare him to someone, or at least what the Sixers hoped he would be, I mean, the answer has to be Magic Johnson, doesn't it? That kind of size, that kind of passing ability at the point guard position, someone handling the ball, and don't don't take that the wrong way. Ben Simmons is not in the same book as Magic Johnson in terms of what he's accomplished. But the the skill sets are at least similar enough to hope, if you're a Sixers fan, that that's what you were getting. And Magic Johnson was not a knockdown shooter. Magic Johnson, I believe, shot 30% from three-point range in his career. That's double Simmons. From the line, Magic at 85% for his career. That is 25% better than Ben Simmons. So the point is that Ben Simmons has a lot of work to do. I think that when you have that kind of size and that kind of passing ability, if the Sixers give up on him, that is someone else's benefit. Because the skill is still there. Chad Ford, uh, the uh, draft expert, among other things, had a thread the other day, basically breaking down Simmons' career compared to the other guys who went in that 16 draft. And Ford said, Simmons is number one in win shares. He leads the entire rookie class in assists per game. Well, that's nice. Chris Dunn and Denzel Valentine were the next two point guards taken in that draft, if you don't count Jamal Murray. So not exactly cream of the crop when we're talking about leading the NBA, at least in terms of that one draft class in assists per game. He says Simmons is a three-time All-Star. He's a first-team All-Defensive selection once. One time he was third-team All-NBA. And he says the only two players who are close to Simmons in terms of what they've accomplished are Jamal Murray and DeMontis Sabonis. And that excludes Brandon Ingram, who leads that draft class in scoring. So don't know what happened there. Must have forgotten about Ingram. But, you know... Can we just call it what it is? That wasn't a great draft then. It doesn't mean Simmons is good. That just means that the draft wasn't great. And I think that's the point that Ford is missing, that so many are missing when they're saying, oh, well, Ben Simmons, compared to the guys he came out with, what else did you want the Sixers to do? Nothing, nothing. They they should have taken Simmons. They did. But now you got to win. You've got an MVP candidate there who has, if history tells us anything, a limited prime. Joel Embiid is huge. 
Those guys don't stay around forever. Injuries happen. You know, Shaquille O'Neal is the exception, not the rule. So you got to win now. And if the Sixers can't figure it out with Simmons, what are they going to get back? What is Ben Simmons' value right now? Is it a first-round pick? Is it a first-round pick this year? Because, I, you know, I doubt they're trading for a future first for him. So go through the lottery. I mean, the Pistons aren't trading one for him. Houston's not trading two for him. Cleveland's not trading three. They got more guards in Cleveland than Buckingham Palace. Toronto, would they take a flyer, trade four? Probably not. They got Kyle Lowry. Orlando, probably not. They got Cole Anthony. Oklahoma City just got Kemba Walker. Maybe you can work out some kind of deal where Kemba and Six go to Philly for Simmons and something, but I, I don't know. There's a few decent guards in Golden State. They're probably not trading for him. Sacramento's got some decent guards. They're probably not trading for him. And then New Orleans is the last pick in the top 10. And Ben Simmons needs to be on a team with shooters. The Pelicans were 26th out of 30 in three-point percentage. So if I'm Philly, I try to figure it out. That's the moral of the story. I work with him hard. You got to make an effort to show him that you care about him. Not sitting up. And whether it's true or not, whether it's true or not that Doc Rivers doesn't know if Ben Simmons is a championship-level point guard. What do you gain by saying that? You're not motivating him for a game eight. There isn't one. All you're doing is just putting more doubt into someone who is passing up open dunks. I don't like that move by Doc Rivers, but then again, I've said what I wanted to say about Doc Rivers, and that's that. So if I'm the Sixers, I try to find a way to make Simmons comfortable, make him better, and I'd start at the free throw line. Can't shoot 60% if you're a point guard. Sorry, Rondo. It doesn't work like that anymore. Anyway, Simmons and the Sixers go out. It leaves Trey Young into the conference finals. And I, I had seen another tweet that said, you know, the NBA is in trouble because there aren't any like big time superstars left of the four teams the Suns, the Clippers, the Hawks, the Bucks. Are we crazy there, guys? Giannis, Booker, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. I'm not sure if he's going to play, whatever. I mean, the NBA is, is this might be the best case scenario for them. Forget the ratings for a year and look to the future and what this can do to propel the brand of a guy like Devin Booker, who is straight balling out and he's going to wear a mask for game three. I saw another, just this podcast should be called, I saw a tweet, but I saw a tweet, you know, with the, with guys wearing masks and they put uh, LeBron up there, Kobe up there, and Rip Hamilton up there, and that just made me so happy. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about someone wearing a mask, can we please start the conversation with Rip Hamilton, not LeBron James? That's Rip, the original champion of those guys. And that's not true, Kobe. Whatever, Rip and Kobe, high school rivals. Whatever. Um, so I think it's a good situation for the NBA. And the last thing I want to do before we end is call out Draymond Green because why not? Because it was, you know, however long ago, a year ago, that he pleaded with the NBA on TNT crew to please get my guy Booker out of Phoenix. How is that going, Draymond? How is that working out? And then, earlier this month, he tweets that it's his, you know, he deserves the credit for them going out and doing something. And getting a guy like Chris Paul. Not James Jones, the executive of the year. No. Draymond Green, the outspoken, sometimes solid 
forward for the Golden State Warriors. That's not fair to him. He's solid most times. And he's going to be, you know, there are certain guys that you just look at and say, this guy's going to be an outstanding analyst. Draymond Green is that guy. He is going to be the next great analyst, regardless of if he thinks it's his doing that the Phoenix Suns are not or are now good, I should say. That's ridiculous. Hawks beat the Bucks last night. Trey Young, oh my. He is here, guys and girls. He has arrived. And it's going to it's going to be a, a hell of a series. I didn't think the Hawks had any chance against the Sixers. I don't think they have any chance against the Bucks, and yet they go in and win game one. Drew Holiday, this terrific on-ball defender. Young goes for 48. What a pass to John Collins off the uh, off the backboard. That was just that's you know you're good and you don't care who knows it. And that's what Trey Young is right now. And that's what Devin Booker is right now. Game three tonight, Clippers. And Suns, 9 o'clock tip tonight, Thursday, depending on when you're listening. Uh, Phoenix is is uh, is one game away from basically advancing. You know, I don't see the Clippers coming back from 3-0 when the Suns are about to get Chris Paul back. And that's the last point. You know, we talk about rest. And, you know, as a Tiger fan, rest has hurt the Tigers in both the 2006 and 2012 World Series. They wrapped up the American League early, and then they had to sit there and wait as the National League got decided. That's going to help the Suns, I think. Baseball and basketball, two very different sports. The timing is way different. If I'm the Suns, get this thing wrapped up, sit home, get healthy, and go. And get ready for either Trey Young or Giannis. Either way, NBA's in a great spot. Open mic. Great talk, everybody. We'll see you.